Welcome to Hubstaff's Agency Advantage Podcast, hosted by Andy Baldacci. Each week, Andy interviews a successful agency owner who shares their proven strategies to help you build and grow your agency. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to episode number 36 of Hubstaff's Agency Advantage Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Baldacci, and today I'm talking with Mandy Ellison of HandsOffCEO.com. Many agency owners feel like as their business grows, so do their work hours and so does their stress. On top of all that, expenses often grow faster than the revenue. So at the end of the day, the owner is making less money while working more hours. In fact, it's not uncommon for a growing agency owner to be making less per hour than some of their employees. But just because it's not uncommon doesn't mean it has to be that way. It's possible for your agency to grow while working fewer hours, making more money, and dealing with less stress. I know it sounds like a dream, but Mandy works with agency owners to help them achieve exactly that, and today she shares just how she does that. If you ever feel like you're too busy running your agency to actually work on your agency, then this is the episode for you. So without further ado, here's Mandy. Mandy, thanks for coming on the show today. Thanks so much for having me, Andy. Yeah. So Mandy, why don't we start off by just giving a quick background on who you are and how you came to run the hands-off CEO. Again, I, I really appreciate you having me on. And, and it, this is this is exciting for me. You're telling me that your audience is mostly agencies that are doing well, that are successful, but really at the, they're at that, that point where they're having some growing pains. They're having challenges with staff and really just, just growing in a way that requires the less of the owner. So uh, what I do is I help businesses that have achieved some level of success and they're expanding, but um, they hit up against this point where every time they try to expand their business, then um, they, it requires them to work more and more and take on more and more stress. So what I do is I help them have the reverse of that, and there's a number of things that we can go into on, on how I do that, but that pretty much sums up the work that I do at Hands Off CEO. Yeah, and I think you said it perfectly, is that a lot of the agency owners that are in the audience, when they are trying to grow, usually what that means is it might mean increased earnings, but their stress is almost always scaling with those earnings, if not faster than the earnings. What is it that usually causes some of those kind of growing pains, in your opinion? Yeah, so so I'm glad you touched on that, the, the time, the, the, uh, the stress issue, the stress scales up. What also ends up happening is that the expenses scale up at the same uh, same rate or higher than than the revenue does. So what ends up happening is that you can be making less and less money. I've seen a lot of times where clients are they'll they're, they'll calculate how much they're making per hour, and some of their employees are actually making more per hour than they are, even if they are making a pretty good income, even even if they're making a um, a six figure income before taxes. That's how much they're they're bringing home. So. Um, what I there's there's a couple of really important things to look at in the foundation of the business so that it actually can scale in a way that's profitable and in a way that reduces the stress for the business owner. What are those kind of foundational things that are important for agency owners to consider when building it in a way that is scalable? Because I, I know exactly what you're talking about. There's so many kind of agency owners that start out freelancing, they're doing okay, and they assume the only way they can make more money is by hiring more people. And then down the road, they're working way more hours, way more stress, and they're really not making that much more money. So what can they do from kind of ground zero to build up? There's this mindset that happens when there's, there's, a, there's this shift from 
freelancer to business owner. And a lot of times what happens is you grow into a business and you don't actually you, you, you don't actually graduate your mindset into business owner. So you're still stuck in this freelancer mindset. And what that means is that a lot of times you're undercharging and that can be a real problem because, and the, the real big problem with that is that, well, I can't increase my chart, my, my um, fees because it's, it can't, I can't be competitive in the industry. And the real problem with that is that you're not providing enough value. So you need to provide enough value and deliver it in a cost-effective way so that you can be profitable. So th there, there's this, this transition, this, this shift that has to be made, and a lot of agency owners simply do not make that transition. Um, and an important question that you need to be asking yourself is, do you, do you want to be a freelancer or do you want to be a business owner? Because the way you approach both is very different. That's, that's one of the big errors that I see happening with agency owners, probably one of the, probably the biggest one. And that, that's what leads to all of the, the staffing issues that they run into because they're still approaching it as if they're just throwing off jobs here and there, there as, as, as a freelancer. And there's just, when there's not enough value, you're just going to run into a lot of problems. What is the better way to approach it? Because I, I totally know what you're saying. It's just kind of still approaching it like a freelancer. So if someone is in that state, what is the better way for them to be thinking about the jobs as kind of more of a sophisticated agency owner? Right. So what you need to be looking at, like I was, I was mentioning the value you're providing, and you need, to be, you need to be looking at how you can provide more value. And some of that might be that you have an innovative process to be able to deliver something a lot cheaper deliver great uh, something industry level for cheaper and you might be able to, to offer at lower price. That's not really the option that I usually suggest. I think that it's better to be to, to have the ability to have those kind of margins, but still charge a higher rate and just, and you can simply do that by changing your target market. That, that is that's one of the easiest ways to do it is by going after a, a market where the exact same work that you do provides more value. That's, that's pretty elementary, but I, I can't tell you how often that um, I'll be working with agency owners who are marketers and they miss that. And it's it's easy enough to see that when you're working on someone else's business, but when it's your own, that, that, that can miss it. So that, that's one obvious thing. But, but the other um, mistake I see happen a lot is that agency owners, they're full service. They do everything. They do this and that and this and that. And what ends up happening then is it's very difficult to have good processes for all these different services that you're providing. So what you're doing is you are relying on the talent of all these different people for this. And it works out great if you can find great people to do that. But the hard thing is, is that you have that to get excellent work when you're doing it that way, you have to pay a lot more money. So what I would recommend doing is taking a look at the kind of projects you've done in the past and deciding which ones have you've had the best success with, which ones are you getting the most leads from. Like, these are all variables to look at. Not, not, not any one of these are, are going to be the thing, but you're going to be looking at them and um, making decisions about where's the best direction to be taking the business, where should we really be focusing. And it doesn't mean that you don't take business from anywhere else. It just means that you... Um, you and maybe you don't at some point, but you are, are looking at a particular market that you can go after and excel at. For example, um, one of my clients 
he has he has an agency and had has about uh, five permanent staff or so, and then some contractors on top of that. And they were going out, they, they were serving, they thought that their sweet spot was working with coaches because that's what, that's the kind of uh, referrals they were getting. So like these type of solo businesses and what they found out when looking at a, taking a closer look is those were actually the lowest margin projects they were doing. They caused them the most headaches. They have the, um, the, the most unrealistic expectations on, you know, what could be done with the, the, the ad spend, et cetera. And what they found out about, it was about 10% of their projects was actually e-commerce projects. And they realized that they're, they have a very good process in-house for how they do e-commerce. So they were able to, to look at that as one of their, their um, an opportunity to focus completely on that and build up their, their presence in that market and go after that because because the thing was is that they realized that very small tweaks in the cam- campaigns they did with e-commerce clients at a certain level, they were able to produce hundreds of thousands of dollars of gain for them versus these coaching clients that even if they provided 100% return on investment for them, then um, it, it just was – we're, we're talking – It didn't add it just, up. It just didn't add up. So you're looking at, at maybe tens of thousands of dollars tops versus mm-hmm. hundreds of thousands of dollars or, or, or even more than that. So you're looking at, at providing value in, in different, sort, different sorts of ways. And, and what they have actually done is simplify their business model based on that. Yeah, and I think there, there are two parts that I kind of want to dive into there because I think the first part is almost just sort of like an 80-20 analysis of the business. Interesting it's you say like, that, yes. Because it's looking at saying like, all right, you could be offering, if you're a full-service agency, I would guarantee that almost – if you just want to use the numbers as is, just 80% of those services don't really make any impact at the end of the day on the bottom line. They might be making slight money, but they're not doing that much. But the 20% are driving probably 80% of the revenue. There's always going to be some sort of power law at work if you're offering that many different things. But the other side of that is not only will your margins increase by focusing on that 20%, but like you said, by having that more narrow focus, you're able to actually take the time to create the processes that can increase the margins even more because you're not trying to do a thousand different things. That's exactly the case. And so what I, what I call that is creating a service product. So you identify, and it's interesting you brought up the 80-20 rule. Um, what I like to see is be able to develop a process where 80% of it can be driven by process and 20% of it can be custom. That way you can sell it like a custom, deliver it like a product, so you have better margins because it's more like a product, but you also can actually increase the fees that you're charging because the, even though you're customizing it less. It, because when you provide a, a service product, I define it as it, it, you're offering something for a specific target audience, a specific type of customer, and you're sp- solving a specific type of problem. So, And, and not just any problem, but a, the kind of problem where it – where there's a, there's high leverage, so it's it's a problem that that people have and they're they're willing to solve it. Right, it's sort of like we were saying the e-commerce example. It's where fixing that problem can result in hundreds of thousands of additional revenue. It's something that clearly has demonstrable value. Exactly, exactly. That is, those are some of the things that I look for when you're qualifying whether a particular service would qualify as a service product. 
Let's go with that a little bit because I'm curious. You don't need to give exact examples of things you've done with your clients. But if you were working with a client on this type of thing and you've kind of identified where they can apply the leverage the most and where those kind of 80-20 rules come into play, once they've identified that, what's next? Like how do they start kind of acting on this and really going to the next level? So, you know, I have a whole like – process that I have a five-step process for how, how to do all this. And it looks really nice. And it, it looks like this beautiful linear process, but it, you know, in reality, it's not exactly, it's not exactly that way. The way it works is that you're just kind of doing some steps at the same time. So maybe as you are refining, you're, you're deciding this is, this is an area you're doing it. You're kind of testing as you're going along and you're, you're documenting out the processes as you're going along. And that's kind of part of the training process as well with your staff. So it, it's getting your hands dirty as you're working these things out. But really what the goal is, is that you want to be, want your business to be more and more standardized as you go. So what that means is if you're training someone and, and, and maybe you don't know if they're going to work out. I mean, ideally you have, you have a good process in place for hiring people so that you have a whole lot less of this. But the reality is, is that people are unpredictable and, and, um, so, so what I would recommend doing is offsetting that risk by having that person help you build out the process right from the beginning. So then you're getting a return on investment from them, whether or not they, they, they stay with you. And that way, the next person who comes, then you have something in place to train them from. And what, what you're doing is you're, is you're creating a standardization in your business so that, you know, when I was talking about having 80% based on process, you're building that out. So, it's, it's not about just you sitting, you locking yourself in a closet as the owner and just documenting all of this stuff. That is the, the common approach. And when you read some of these books like The E-Myth and Work the System, and these are, those are great books, but it's, it's almost like the process that they, they recommend doing is the owners just to kind of do it at all, which, which, is not, um, which is one of the biggest things that hold agencies back from actually making this happen in their business. So this is really a collaborative approach that you could use as you're training, that you can use as you are um, deciding what the service product is. There's just, it, it, but it's it's a, it's it's an ongoing process that is constantly adding value to your business and giving you as the owner more freedom as you go. Okay, and I think that we should we should really focus on kind of that freedom that you're talking about because that's something that I think most agency owners can't even don't even dream of having it's like if they step away from the business for a week they feel like the things are just completely going to go off the rails so can we kind of dive into more how things could be if they really embrace this idea of creating these processes and all of that certainly well i'll give you an example of how it has been for some of the clients that i've worked with one in particular you went from working about 50 hours a week um, and be, be having people quit on him, then starting from square uh, ground zero, being training each person 20 hours a week, um, and then them leaving. And it just was a real frustration for his, for him and his business because he just, he couldn't have that time off and he was just really, really struggling and stuck. But what we were able to do is get his business down to a standardized place where he he is he has such good processes for his business that it can actually run for without him for weeks, literally, and he can work um, as little as ten hours a week ongoing in his business 
if he wants to, or he'll work more so that he can grow his business, but just whatever level he wants to do it in his business. And he's been able to, to, to travel around the world with his family this way, running his agency from his computer, to, from his laptop, running, um, going around the world. So that's the kind of freedom that he has. And that's what he's chosen and for how he, how he does things. And someone else listening to this might be saying, well, you know, I really want to scale this to like a $5 million business. So becoming a hands-off CEO in that range, that for them it might mean that I'm, I'm stepping completely out of service delivery so that things can, can truly run without me so that I can focus completely on growing the business. So that's what, in your mind, when you say, when you have the term, the hands-off CEO, it's not necessarily with a single end in mind, but it's more, like you said, the, the freedom to allow you to kind of build the business in a way that you see fit, whether that's removing yourself so that you have the freedom to travel or it's removing yourself from the day-to-day so you have the freedom to hire and really scale. Exactly. It's really whatever your goals are. And the only way that you can accomplish those goals, that goal of, of a lot of freedom or um, that that goal of really scaling up your business is that you have to become hands-off in your business. You have to. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that's so hard, especially in the agency world, because most people come from a hands-on background. They started as a freelancer delivering all the work, delivering all the projects. And it's really hard not just to give that up, but to know what else you should be doing. Yeah, exactly. And that's really one of, like I was talking about that transition from freelancer where, where you're doing a lot of this work, or maybe you worked in an agency, you're, you're used to being the service provider and, and the one who fulfills the work to actually being the boss. So there can be some challenges there. And one of the biggest challenges that I see is that the, the owner is the face of the business and, and the clients are very used to interfacing with the owner they're used to the owner coming in if there's any problems the owner comes in and jumps in and does it and it takes care of everything and that's what so one of the real challenges there is that the value is being derived from the owner so the owner uh you know gets hit by a bus gets knocked down and doesn't come back the next day then the agency completely falls apart and and that's because the value comes from them being there instead of um the value coming from a proven process and a methodology for how you how you get results for your clients. Yeah, and you were on Brennan Dunn's podcast recently. This is something he talked about kind of in his personal development is that with his first agency, he built it to a multi-million dollar agency, but he was in effect selling him as a brand. And so when he's redoing it, when, he, when he's kind of building up his agency now, he's making sure that he's not selling it as though he's going to be the one delivering it. It depends on his brain and his brain only. And you're right, because if you're positioning yourself as the brand, as the agency, as the value, you can't really be hands off. <laughs> right. And that that's it. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you can't have your taste like you is a personality in the, the, the taste of the brand, but you need to establish right away that you're not the one doing it. They're not going to be expecting you to be there, the project manager. And I don't think I could have said it any better than, than Brennan Dunn did. And that, that was, um, it was excellent that he pointed out that distinction. It's really important to set the stage right from when the, the, um, the clients first come in. And that's where a really important process to focus on is your onboarding process. In fact, I think for agencies, like I could not even look at their business. I can tell you they're like <laughs> onboarding process. 
focus on that first. <laughs> and, and why why do you say it like with that much like I I don't disagree at by any means, but I'm curious to hear your take. Is like why is that the number one thing that jumps out at you? <laughs> well, just because experience. I've, I I don't work just with agencies. I work with a number of kind of businesses and service businesses being a, a biggest portion of that. But I've worked with a lot of agencies because this is a huge problem, and I have this intense this scary intensive that I do with them, which is a couple hours long. And I help them find extra time and I take a look at their business and we, we put together a scalability plan and we look at where the biggest leverage points are in their business. And, and almost without fail, the onboarding process is always that one for an agency. So uh, that, that's, that's, why I, that's why I say that. It just, it's just like clockwork. The, um, yeah, and, yeah. and having talked with them, I mean, I don't disagree by any means. And I think the mindset why it's so it's something that they probably wouldn't identify on their own is because you don't get paid for doing onboarding well, like directly. They don't hand you money like that's not the deliverable. That's not the project. And so they're focused on too many other things. But they forget that if you screw up onboarding, it's not this not very likely that the project's going to go off without a hitch. Right. There's a lot of inefficiencies that happen during the onboarding stage, and this is this is where you're increasing the likelihood of a lot of this this email back and forth, um, and and then and you're also it's an opportunity to set expectations and help and really train them to be a good client so that you can keep projects on track and and um, increase the lifetime value of a customer. If you screw this up, then there's a very high likelihood that, you know, six months down the line, they're not going to be working with you anymore. So you will lose a lot of money. But I think that the highest leverage point for almost all agencies, if they haven't if they haven't done this already, is to look at look at the steps that they need to take to onboard a customer. You know, what are the things that they need to have? How can I make this as streamlined as possible? What does the client expect from me? Um, What are some of the biggest worries they have? How can I put steps in my onboarding process to alleviate that stress, to alleviate that concern and, and jump at it before so that they don't have this buyer's remorse. And then you have to overcome that. Because if you start off on the wrong foot, you're right. It's not just kind of a fixing it thing. It's that you now have this huge hill that you have to get over just to have the project be a decent success, like just to have them be happy with it not ecstatic but just have it be okay like you you're already you're already kind of handicapping yourself from the beginning right and and you know part of the, the a competitive advantage that you have in your in your business simply can be that the way that you treat your customers and the kind of experience you deliver with them and and where that starts is your onboarding process for how you um you you set up the expectation with them and and that the feeling that they get working with you and making sure that you are exceeding what the expectations are. And and that way, it really feels like a higher quality experience. And there are a lot of customers out there that, who are willing to pay more for that. No, and it's funny because a lot of the the guests I've talked to have come from more of the, the kind of smaller agency, solo consultant side where they've increased their rates pretty significantly by having a very narrow focus and just being like the go-to guy on WordPress membership sites or something very specific. But you're right in that it shouldn't be as big of a competitive advantage as it is, but you can still be somewhat of a generalist and just have, just run a tight ship, just have kind of have a 
superior client experience throughout the process. And like, that's almost enough to just build a pretty big agency if you can consistently deliver on that promise. Exactly. And you know, one of the biggest costs that I see from agencies is the start stop client. Do you know that you know I'm talking about the start stop client where let's go into that. Yeah. Well, you, well you are, you, you have this client and, and um, you know, partway through they, they, they haven't delivered the information that you need to put up the website or they, they just get busy and they don't get back to you or they want to change their copy partway through and then, you know, they're like, well, let's start up again in a month or whatever it is. And when you when you look at the, at the amount of time that you spend on these start-stop clients for how much time it takes to get back up and how much time is wasted going back and forth, back and forth, trying to get what you need from them, a lot of this can be prevented and in the onboarding process if you do it right. But if you, if you look at this, how many clients could you be serving in that same bandwidth? With them doing that, if you're if you're looking at an extra five clients per year, that's a lot of money that's wasted. I'm just throwing five extra clients. It could be a lot more than that. So so that is a, a, a easy way to increase your bottom line without actually it without bringing without doing a whole lot more in your business. One thing that sort of irritates me in the agency world is how much people like almost kind of thrive on complaining about the crazy clients and of course you're going to have some but at the end of the day like so many of the stories are are preventable by having these the right onboarding in place and it's like so many agency owners don't even want to think about whether or not they could improve this they just accept it as a cost of doing business when it really doesn't have to be well that's great because if that's the the typical way people think then <laughs> your listeners here can um, think of ways they can rise above that and their, their ways to profit. Yeah. And so let's, let's kind of talk about, let's shift things on talking about what your engagements with agency clients look like. I know you talked a little bit about the kind of, I forget the term you used, but the scaling exercise, what was it? Uh, this, the scalable intensive, the um, scalable intensive. Do you have like a standard way that you work with agencies? Is that part of it? Or how does uh, it, if an agency I... comes to you, <laughs> yeah, it was a bit of a loaded question, but um, well, well, the, the, you know, the thing is, is that I teach standardization, and while the work that I do is actually a little more custom than the work that I even that, that I suggest my clients do with their clients, um, I, I have a methodology that's standardized, of course, because it's it's going to save me a lot of time, but also allows me to to guarantee and promise certain results to my clients. So the so this is this is something that I, I would recommend anyone listening to do is to is to look at if your process for getting results for your clients is not good enough to guarantee, then it's not good enough. And and even if you choose for whatever reason to not guarantee it, you should be able to. So go back and work on that. So the guarantee that I provide to, to my clients is that I'll help them find at least 20 to 40 extra hours per month with um, somewhere between one and three tweaks. And actually, I'll, I will, I'll give everyone a resource um, at the end here for how they can get access to the one tweak that will help them find 20 extra hours per month. Hold that thought because we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. But when we come back, Mandy's going to tell us exactly how she is able to save so much time for her clients with such little effort. 
The Agency Advantage podcast is brought to you by Hubstaff. Now, Hubstaff makes time tracking software for remote teams so that you can stop tracking time with spreadsheets or on the back of napkins or whatever else you're using and start getting the insights into how your team is actually spending their time that only screenshots and in-depth reports can give you. Our best clients are agency owners. And while they love the accountability that comes with it, it's sort of like Upwork, but without all the crazy fees. Where they really find the true value is by being able to connect Hubstaff with a project management tool to see what tasks are taking up their team's time. Think of it as Google Analytics for your team. I do want to warn you, though, there's a good chance once you see this data, you're going to be sick when you realize how little time is spent actually delivering the project itself. But you can't set up the procedures to make your agency more efficient if you're just guessing where time is being spent. So give Hubstaff a try so you can stop guessing and start streamlining your agency. Head over to hubstaff.com today and sign up for a free, no credit card required, 14-day trial and get your agency back on track. All right, let's get back to Mandy. So I have a process where we, we, I pull out all these different things in their business to understand you know, what's working, what's not, what's broken, and identify where their, the top leverage points are, but also how they can find more time immediately. Because what, so, uh, what's so common is that you see, okay, I need to fix this. I know this is a problem. I know I need to be doing my onboarding process. I just can't seem to find time to do it. So I found this to be the case. And like earlier on in my career, I found that a lot of people were saying no to me because they're like, it sounds great. I know I need to do this. There's just not enough time. So I developed a process for how to find more time with just a few tweaks. So that, so I, I put together in that intensive, um, we put together a scalability plan and for, for the things that they need to be focusing on exactly where they're at in their business to make the highest leverage immediately. That's what I recommend um, anyone listening to do is that when you're putting together your scalability plan and, and in that link that I'm going, I'll, I'll share, there's, there's actually the, the steps you can outline to do that. But it's really important for you to, to work on things that are going to give you leverage right in, immediately. It's, it's easy to think, I've got to do these things in the right steps. And, and certainly there are things you need to do in the right steps. But if you've got a big glaring problem, fix that first. And that's and, and um, it, it's just be breaking through each bottleneck as they come. And, then, and that's what gives you leverage. And that's what keeps freeing up more time and more time and more time. And, the, and at the same time, it's um, adding more profit with some of the things that you're doing, like, like the onboarding process we're talking about. That adds more profit to business. So that is that's really the the approach that I that I take with my my clients. But the the process is called scale to freedom. Mm -hmm. No, and I think what you hit on is exactly right. It's the compounding side of it because you're right. In the very beginning, most agency owners I hear it all the time from listeners. They'll be like, "Yeah, like." all that made sense, but I have no time to do that. I, 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 where I'm already working 80 hours a week, like there's just no time left to make any of these changes. But that's why you're right. If you start on kind of the, the big glaring issue and able to fix one thing with a little tweak and some dedication, some, a little bit of hard work too, of course. But if you can do that, then that frees up more time for you to find other leverage points and more time and so on. And it's a repeating cycle that does have compounding returns. Exactly. And, you know, the, the, the biggest leverage points that I see for agencies I work with, it's just it just it's incredible to see how much time can be saved. Like for someone who's and the way it works is that the more hours you're working, the, the easier it is to cut hours. That's it's, it's paradox, but that's how it works. 
so the, the guys that are working, the guys and gals that are working 80 hours per week, um, cutting 20 hours off the week with one tweak, it's, it's, it's not unheard of at all. And, and I see it all the time. So a lot of times it's for something that is just, it's just right there. And sometimes it's very difficult to see because you're, you're so entrenched in it. You're working 80 hours a week. And what that means is that you're not functioning at the highest level that you need to be. And what ends up happening is you're, you're, you're not as productive and it exacerbates the problem. And as you're working more hours, you're actually becoming less productive as you go and you're accomplishing less. And it, it's, it's really a sad cycle that just leads to burnout and frustration. And I see a lot of successful people just kind of throw in the towel at some point because they can't keep it up forever. Even though it's very successful, they just can't keep it up because they're seeing this as this, this dead end. And, and I see this a lot, unfortunately, with, with agencies where I was just like, you know, I don't feel like I'm producing anything long term. I'm not really building value. I'm just putting in the hours. And so basically, I've just created myself a job. So they don't see some kind of they, they, they don't see a way for them to get more freedom out of this. So at some point, they just quit the, the agency. Um, they, they, they just kind of let, let business fold or just um take the same business and just, just kind of transfer it over to doing some kind of product because they haven't been able to make that model work for them in a way that provides more freedom in their life. What is it that usually you think gets clients who come to you? Like what makes them realize that it could be different? Like what makes them say like, it doesn't have to be this way. I can, with a little bit of work, I can kind of regain some control. Well, some people never, never come to that, that mindset, unfortunately. And they just, and like, I used to try to, to really help those people, but like, they're just, you can't help them because they're not willing to see possibility. And, um, if, if, if they just can't envision another way for themselves, they, they're kind of stuck. But oftentimes what happens is that they can hit rock bottom or there's, there's something that happens in their personal life where, they have to do something or else it's going to be really bad. Like I have this one client who I didn't actually realize this at the time, but he was working until like two o'clock in the morning. He didn't share this with me, but I, I knew he was working a lot, but I didn't realize how bad it was that it was regularly to two o'clock in the morning and sometimes throughout the night to be able to, to stay on top of things. And, and um, it, it was costing him a lot with his family because he wasn't able to see his children and, I think what he just, he just realized is I just can't live this way. This is not how I want it to work and, and how I want my life to be. And he just said, I just, he just took a stand for himself in his life and said, this is how it's going to be different. And since then he, he now works until four o'clock in the afternoon and his, he's been able to make more money so that his wife actually stays home with the kids. Now they're able to have another child and he just lives a very different life, but it all starts with the belief that it really can be different. And the commitment that you're not going to be doing that because there's going to be some things that, you know, when I, when I talk with my, with my clients, I'm, I, I, I push them to do some things that are out of their comfort zone. And what that means is saying no to a lot of things that otherwise they would say yes to. And I know that sounds simple enough, but sometimes saying no means like we've got to do things in this different way. And someone else has got to do this part for, for me. And this is the only part that I do as the owner. So there, there's some, some pieces that are moved around and it sounds kind of complicated, but it, but it, it is, it's, it is, it's pretty simple, but it requires discipline. It requires discipline. And, the, and this process that I, that I do with my clients is not for everyone because not everyone has the commitment or the, the, the drive 
that they don't have a big enough why to really to, to put it into place in their life. No, I think that's a good way of phrasing it because you, a lot of people, you're right. If you run an agency the way many agencies are run without clear process where the owner puts everything on their shoulders, then they're almost inevitably going to come to a tipping point where they know they can't keep doing this the same way anymore and they give up. Or they go in the sense that like they take a step back and they figure out how can I improve the situation? And I think that having that clear kind of why can be enough to get you to go and figure out how to do it the right way. What I want to do to kind of slowly wrap things up a little bit is I kind of want to ask about how you apply this yourself. What do you think right now? Like, what are you, because you, you said if you're working 80 hours, it's the easiest to lop off 20 than who's someone who's working 20 hours and trying to lop off five hours. And so for you, who already has a lot of systems in place, where do you think you have some inefficiencies you could work on? I can always delegate a little more than I do. And, and um, I, I know that. I know how to delegate. I teach people how to delegate. Um, but still, there's a mindset. And I could always delegate more. But, I'm, you know, I'm pretty happy with the way I'm doing it right now. And sometimes doing – sometimes I might choose to do something – I don't work that many hours a week, actually. I, I really don't. And I've, I've done that by choice. It's the lifestyle that I've designed. And when you create leverage in your business, you can do that. So, you know, I, that, that, like I said, I could always delegate more. And um, when, when there's pressure, I always kick myself in the butt and do exactly what I need to do. But uh, <laughs> that's the answer to your question. No, I think that's a common kind of feeling, too. And so I'm curious, what are, what are the long-term plans you have for the hands-off CEO? Well, right now I am working on a book proposal to write a book. Uh, on the, the methodology of the hands-off CEO and um, specifically on how to create more value in your business and more freedom at the same time. So that's what, that's what I'm working on right now and just working with some clients. And um, in the fall, I might, I might run another program for uh, that, that scale to freedom that earlier in the spring, I ran one for a, a group of agency owners and that's always a lot of fun. But otherwise, I, I'm just working with one-on-one clients at the moment. Nice. Well, I think it'll be exciting to kind of see where that all comes together. Because I, talking to you, kind of reflecting back on other conversations I've had with agency owners, like you couldn't have hit the nail on the head anymore. Like this is something that really is kind of the single thing holding successful agencies from getting to the next level. Like agencies that are have a good living for the owner, but they're not quite where they want to be. And I think really embodying these principles is what they need to do to kind of get up to the true success. And it could be success for them, could be freedom to spend time with their family, or could be building this kind of mega agency. But whatever they want to do, I think they need to kind of take control in this way. And so if listeners want to hear more from you or they want to kind of go deeper with this, where should they go? So I have a free template that I, that your listeners can go download if you go to handsoffceo.com forward slash template. That's handsoffceo.com forward slash template. And in that, in that I have a template for how to scale up your business. And, and it's um, specifically for service providers and agencies. And then um, there's, all, there's also a tweak in there for how to find 20 extra hours per month. So they can they can go there and download that, and it should be very helpful for anyone listening. 
Awesome. I'll make sure to get all that linked up in the show notes. And Mandy, I just want to say thanks again for coming on the show. It was a great chat. Thanks so much for having me, Andy. You probably didn't start your agency for the privilege of working 60 or 80 hours a week. I'm guessing if you like most listeners, you started your agency because you have a passion for the work and you crave freedom that a regular job won't give you. Even if in your agency you've always felt like every inch of growth was paid for with your time and stress, there is a better way and Mandy today talked about that. First, break free of the freelancer mindset. You need to make sure you're charging enough for your projects and are able to deliver them in a cost-effective way so you can be profitable. If you can't do that, you need to improve your processes until you can or choose a better target market or probably both. But without a repeatable way to deliver a service for a real profit, nothing else matters. Second, for your agency to grow without depending on you or any other person in your agency, you need to develop services that are heavily based on processes. Now, don't lock yourself away and create all these systems on your own. Instead, work with the people who actually be executing these processes and do so in a collaborative way and continuously improve on these systems that you both create. Finally, it can feel like you don't have the time to even begin, but the more hours you're putting in right now, the more opportunities there are to improve. So start with the biggest bottleneck and then use the time you free up there to go to the next one and so on and so on. And if you keep repeating this, you'll be amazed at the time you're able to quickly save. If you can do all that, you will truly have an agency that can scale to freedom. And that's all I have for you this week, guys. If you enjoyed this show and learned something, head over to iTunes and leave a review. Tell me what it was that you learned. I love hearing from listeners and positive reviews help us grow our audience. So if you can take a second to do that, I'd really appreciate it. All right. Talk to you next week. See ya. See ya.